Hello and welcome to episode 37 of the Instant Feedback Podcast with me, Marcus Keeley. Hello, how are you getting on? It's been a wee bit of a while, hasn't it? But I'm back, I'm back with uh, an episode here with Joe Lindsay, of all people. Good friend, Joe Lindsay. Um, it was very, very nice to have a, a chat with him. If you're not familiar with Joe Lindsay, here's, here's a wee bit of a blurb. Joe Lindsay is a broadcaster and DJ from Belfast. He presents BBC's Getaways and, as the BBC website describes, a travel series featuring holiday destinations that can be reached directly from Scotland and the island of Ireland. Joe also regularly presents programmes on BBC Radio Ulster and he's known for DJing and music event promotion in Belfast. So it was nice to have a wee chat with Joe and, you know, based around his career, what it's been like for him the last year and just to just to catch up. We'll talk about all sorts of different things and uh, it was a it was a lovely conversation. It was a nice wee bit of social interaction, um, you know, that, that I wasn't used to. So it was nice to get caught up with Joe. It definitely helped me flex my, uh, my social muscles, um, whatever they might be. I don't know if I still have them, but it was a good chat anyway, and uh, thoroughly enjoyable. Now, it's a nice long episode where we'll talk about all sorts of different things, so I I won't be back at the end. But if you want to uh, hear from more of me or see more of me, well, more than you see now, which is zero, you can catch me on twitch.tv forward slash Marcus Keeley. And I'm on there playing games chatting with anyone who's watching and just having a, a good old laugh you can give me a wee follow on there and get a notification when i go live but i am live every friday at 10 o'clock for friday fun which is a sort of community night where i chat with people and um, we play games that you can play along with you can interact so it's great fun i've been doing that for a good long while now so um check us out there and hopefully i'll, I'll see you there this conversation with joe was done remotely of course uh, i'm glad that i spend money on a out and about microphone where i could go to gigs and, and meet people in real life and have high quality recordings. I'm really glad I invested the money in that. So this is remote. So apologies for any digital ephemera that you may hear. I've tried to reduce it, but we are at the at the behest of Zoom. Do you remember Zoom used to be dead on about that? They used to say, uh, oh no, it's great. Yeah, as many people as you want pile in to the conversation. And then slowly over time, they went, actually, no, we're losing a bit of, a fair bit of money out of this. So uh, back to porridge for you. So Zoom hasn't been great the last wee while. So uh, apologies for any, any dodginess that you hear, but I have done my best to reduce it. But I hope you enjoy and I will speak to you on the next episode. But for now, let's listen to me and Joe Lindsay having a good old chat. Hello, Joe Lindsay. How are you keeping? I'm doing very well, Marcus. It's lovely to see your face. I know that people can't because we don't want you doing audio, but um, yes, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm 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 doing I'm doing all right. I had a dream the other night. Just just talking about seeing each other's faces. I had a dream that I uh, clean. I had a clean shave for the first time in ages, and I didn't carry it through to reality. But I'm just noticing there your your beard is looking as big and as bountiful as always. I've been trimming it myself. I mean, it was I I did at the start of lockdown think um, at one point I thought I'm going to shave this off, you know, and. Because I won't, I won't have to expose the world to what's underneath. Because most most men, and I include myself, we grow beers for reasons to hide something. It's to not sort of you know, it's to spur the public from what we look like. And then I thought, no, do you want to go the other way? And I'll do like a ZZ top number. You know what I mean? Like down to sort of just below chest. But I've kind of trimmed it a few times. And um, yeah, but um, I, I actually bumped into the guy who normally does my beard, and he was like, "What the hell are you doing to yourself?" So um, I'm I'm sort of the book on him. But yeah. I've kept it going. Here it is. It's got a life of its own now. I no longer control the beard, Marcus. It controls me. Well, that's it. There's a lot of people seem to have um, grown a lot of beards over over lockdown. I very briefly thought about it. Like my hair has grown. I think the last time I 
had my haircut was probably oh do you remember way back in the day the first time it was all relaxed i think in june or july or something like that where we were all rushing out to eat discounted beef burgers in crowded restaurants because it seemed like a good idea at the time Um, i didn't really do that to be honest i I didn't really do that i mean i I see your hair's tied at the back so it must be quite long i can't see it in its full splendor but i mean god's my barber marcus i don't don't have that option to grow my hair god is my barber you know i come from a long line of bald men and um, i'm gleefully continuing continuing it for them um i didn't really i didn't really jump into anything when, when everything opens i just i was still sort of quite restrained on that that there, was, there wasn't much of that world that i was missing really i mean i, I wasn't you know i love going out to eat i love going to a pub but it was like i was kind of like in takeout pints and drinking it on beaches and stuff and all that i, I was really enjoying that because the weather was really good um pub thing yeah i did it a few times restaurant thing no i don't think it did just because it was i just i just didn't think it was enough of a good experience to, to be worthy of paying for that you know what i mean like your servers are in mass not not to say that like that was a problem. I mean, everyone has to make a living and, and the hospitality industry here really does need, need a bit of support. I went for Christmas dinner. I had my Christmas dinner in a pub. A couple of times, actually. I did two Christmas dinners in a pub, which was great because it was like having proper pints and, and proper dinner in great company. So I did that, but I, I didn't really dive back into it when everything sort of opened again. I wasn't I wasn't that keen on it. And I'm, I'm, I'm not keen now, really. I'm, I'm sort of I'm going to avoid pubs for a couple of months. Yeah, it's just even even there's a friend of mine over in England and they're all overjoyed and going to the beer gardens and pubs and all that. And it's just it's similar to what you're saying. I'm just like, it's not it's not going to the pub, really. So you're drinking, you're getting to see people and you're drinking proper pints outside. And I guess that's that. But it's just the whole I don't know if I could ever fully relax. And then I have that worry that if I did have a couple of pints, then my idea of safety would go out the window. It would be like a horror yeah. film where, where people relax too much in the spaceship and then it breaks open. And I'm I f- yeah. before no, I'm licking doorknobs and toilet floors without realizing yeah. and going, oh, God, mm-hmm. you know, um, having lots of like stress dreams about that as well. Just like catching myself in dreams, doing stuff that I wouldn't have normally done before, but it's especially bad now. It's it's, well, it's I, I can totally see that. I mean, I, I do think we have this in the post. I think there are going to be people who have anxiety about going out again. You know, I think we'll have people who who have been like very profoundly affected by isolation, loneliness, and all that stuff. I do think that's that's something we have down the line. Like a friend of mine's wife works in mental health care, and she said like they're swamped already. Um, I I, I do think we we are you know as human beings, obviously we you know we're apes really. We're just apes with car keys and money. But um, you know, but apes are very tactile. They hug you know, and they and they apparently they hum when they eat, which I find great. I find that wonderful. And I, I that was the thing I missed most. I mean, there was a period where like I didn't hug my mum for thirteen weeks, and like I, I didn't, I actually just didn't get to hug my mother, and it was horrible because we were just sitting out her back and going right, that's it, and going bye, waving to your mum and walking off, and that that we're very huggy people, my family, you know, and that that I, that was the the most difficult part of it, I think, and like you know, I, I think like everybody, I've been kind of up and down like a bride's nighty, you know, you're, you've got days where you're just in the in the absolute nadir. The other days you're actually okay. I've never been really euphoric about it. I've been okay or I've been sort of quite down about it. But I just, because it's, it's one of those things, the world just stopped instantly. And part of me was sort of going, you know what, the world was moving way too fast and maybe we do need to stop and then slow down for a prolonged period and sort of have a word with ourselves, catch ourselves on. You know, and when you see like, it, it, I had to stop watching the news, the death tolls 
were really getting to me. I had to just stop watching the news. I was watching too much news. Then I just had to stop doing it. And I think I did what everybody else did, which was, you know, like go through Netflix, like pick and mix, you know. Um, I think we all kind of did that, you know. Um, I think I've broken Netflix by now. But yeah, there's a lot of stuff I'm not. The thing I, the thing I probably miss most is, is DJing and dancing, going out dancing to clubs. You know, I'm not, I'm not sort of proclaiming I'm a good dancer. I just enjoy it very much. But also, I've, I've kind of missed DJing. But I'm, I'm, again, I don't want to go back to doing that until we can fully do it and have the big experience. You know, the, the, I was offered DJ gigs last July actually, and I just went no. Even though there were places I really love playing in, it was like it's not going to be the same. You know, nobody can dance, and even the thought of just playing sort of quite mellow, strange, exotic music people just sit and listen to was grand. But it was like tape everywhere and shielded off and stuff. I just thought, nah, you know, it's not what it's about. It's not why I got into it. Um, so yeah, there's just certain aspects I'm, I'm looking forward to, and certain things I'm not. You know, like everyone, I suppose. Yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff I was I was talking about this the same thing with Nave yesterday, the day before, and. She was just saying, I wonder, you know, like how, how the world has changed now and how will it change going forward? You know, what will we carry on and what will we remember? And I was just feeling very cynical and saying absolutely nothing. People are, are selfish. Like we've seen it the whole way through. I think as soon as all this is over, that's it. We're back to back to whatever until the next thing comes along, you know. I mean, pe- people like, you know, friends of mine, I mean, because I, I, I work in, you know, DJing is, is working in hospitality and you work in, and you know, you get to know loads of people in bars and people who run bars and work there and other DJs and stuff like that. And there were friends of mine telling me absolute horror stories that when the bars first opened, you know, they were kicking people out who were coming up to the bar, even though one of the rules was you don't come to the bar, you wait for somebody to serve you. And he said his biggest problem, which I think is, is, is probably the most accurate reflection of everything that's wrong, is he said his biggest problem was telling tables of people to stop passing their phones to another table, to take photos of them outside the bar because they wanted photo evidence for Instagram or whatever. And that, I think, sums up just what's wrong. That, you know, that we, we can't, we've got to a point now where our enjoyment level is only measured by the amount of likes we get on social media, and that's, that's just horrendous. You, know, you need to keep something back for yourself. But he said that was the biggest problem, people passing phones, passing mm-hmm. your phone to somebody else, and not realizing that you know, you're potentially harming them. And then when it comes back, potentially, har- potentially harming yourself. You know? that, I, I do agree. I think... I, I think I mean, I, I regard myself, I mean, I, I, the great Andrew Weatherall described himself as an optimistic misanthrope. And I think I'm kind of like that. You know, I, I, I'm a misanthrope, but I'm always willing to be surprised. I'm, when, when I am surprised, when I do see beautiful things, they do resonate deeply with me. But we are a very flawed race. We're a very flawed species. And yeah, I kind of have that. But I, I think some people will learn a lot. Other people will learn absolutely nothing. You know, because mm. like right this, there were people who were going to like illegal shabines and throwing house parties and going to like plague raves and stuff like that. And you're like, Jesus Christ, what's it take for you? you know, what does it take? You know, and I think, you know, we've all been affected by it. I think everyone's been affected by COVID. I mean, friends of mine have had it and came very close to the end, which which really sort of put me through the mill a bit. And I know people have had it and um, it was something I became very worried about. Um and I think if we walk away from that, we forget it. Because you know, I think I, 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 there's been times during this, Marcus. I'm not lying. But I thought we are too stupid to deserve to survive this. We're just too stupid. We're too selfish, self-centered, to even deserve to get through this. Which is a terrible thing to say. I know, but that is just how I felt about it. Because you, when you saw these things happening, you were like, you know, just how fucking dumb are you? You know, just sit. All you're being asked to do is sit in the house. You know, my grandfather went to war. You know, that's what he did, you know. 
and I know it's that, that cliche has become, but all you're being asked to do is sit in your arse and watch TV or read a book or use your body as a fun fair, whatever the hell gets you through the day. You know what I mean? That's all you're being asked to do. It's no big deal. And I get the isolation thing for certain people. I get that. But I think for people who were probably going through this on their own, that it must have been awful seeing other people who just breezed through it and didn't really care and didn't adhere to the rules. And the worst was the people who didn't believe it. You know, these anti-maskers, these anti-vaxxers, you know, idiots. There's not one. And and what, what I found hilarious was some of the people who, and someone I know particularly who was like, you know, oh, well, that, that's a Bill Gates thing. You know, that, that it's another form of control. And you're like, yeah, I, I don't think that Bill Gates is terribly interested in your three GCSEs. You know what I mean? And your HNT and would work. I don't think he's, he's wanting to get that. The space race isn't being held up without your tracking in it. You know, could be wrong, but I don't think so. I just find all that. And I, the phrase that really started to irritate me was the phrase inverted commas, so-called experts. People are going, a so-called expert. No, they're an expert. They're an expert. You're being the so-called expert by claiming they're not, you know. But that became a real annoyance. I'm sorry, I'm sounding really grumpy. This is supposed to be funny, isn't it? I'm starting to <laughs> really, I'm like an old man shouting at a cloud, you know. <laughs> Well, I think I think it's a it's a great it's a great outlet for a lot of people who, who are feeling the same way. But you mentioned there, like I, I remember saying someone to follow on Twitter. I think it was during this uh, the last summer where there was outrage about people going to, you know, traveling from this place to this place and doing all that. And the the tweet was just, you know, how fucking hard is it not to go on holiday? Like it's yeah. the easiest thing in the world not to go yeah. anywhere. Um, yes, it totally is. It totally is. And um, but but it's also you know every time I kind of felt a bit down about it, I was thinking, well, do you know what? There are people in high rise flats who are having to choose between heating and eating. You know, who are going through this on top of that. You know what I mean? We're actually. Okay. I mean, you were saying I'm okay. We're okay. You know, and I, I kind of kept thinking about the people who are in sort of worst case scenarios, worser case scenarios than me. But yeah, the people who complain, oh, I can't go on holiday. Okay. Then you know what? Put a tent out in your back garden. Take day trips within five miles of your house. Find a way to amuse yourself that doesn't involve going to a theme bar in Fungarola. Mm. You know what I mean? Do without that. And the only reason I'm using that as an example is that I think that's probably the most ridiculous thing I've, I've, I've ever that I ever see. I mean, I, you know, I travel for a living, like, and some of the things I find ridiculous are people who who go on holiday and either don't leave the hotel because it's all inclusive, or they go and eat food they have at home. In a bar that's you know Irish bars, they go to Irish bars in in these resorts, and they avoid you know they they don't have the local wines, they don't have the local food, you know tapas is completely alien to them. They want a fry in the morning, you know what I mean? Fish and chips for dinner, you know. It's like you you know you could have you could have your holiday at Port Rush if the weather's good enough, and you probably wouldn't notice the difference, you know. That sort of a lot of people who were complaining about not going on holiday were people that I kind of judged and went, you're the sort of person that goes to an only fools and horses theme bar. You know, have I ever told you this about the horses theme bar that I found in Fungarola? No, I don't think so. Uh, uh, tell us. Well, okay. Now, these things are everywhere, but in different sort of, there are different variations of these things. You have theme bars, right? And they're all kind of uh, either Irish or English or whatever. I mean, there, there are no French theme bars here that just swept us of a low, a low, for example, right? But, oh God, I would go to that. That's a great idea, though. Um, but I, I, a hotel I was, I was filming, this like one of the first or second series we did. Of getaways, we're filming in Fungarola. I think it was Fungarola. Across from our hotel was uh, Del Boy's Pub, right? Which was an only fools and horses theme pub. To the extent where all he did there was no music. All he did was play episodes of Only Fools and Horses on an endless, eternal loop 
you've never seen more dead-eyed, depressed, despondent, and damned staff in your whole life who obviously went there for the summer, had to work in this place. But the one, the one genius aspect I did think, and I went, you know what, fair play. During their happy hour, right, they played the episode where Dale falls through the bar, like the most famous episode. That was the, that signaled happy hour, right? And I thought, well, I can see where you're going, man. That's fine. But the idea of going to a bar and watching television, I don't even do that here. Like, I, I don't think a bar should have a TV. Bars are for social interaction and a bit of crack and, you know, getting drunk and, and making really questionable decisions. But over that, that, that was kind of the most ridiculous. And there were people who were really craving that. I couldn't get at all. Like, I just couldn't get it. Was I was going? I was going to ask: Was there a section involving Del Boy falling through the bar? Did the guy actually fall through the bar to signify it, or did they just play the episode? Or could you could you fall through the bar if you get your picture taken? You know, as if you're on a roller coaster, so it gets a couple of snaps of you on the way down. I would go to it then. Now you're on to something. Now you're on to something. This is something you should maybe explore. Um, I don't think they did that because I don't, I don't think they wanted people doing that. But yeah, they just kind of, and when he falls through the bar, the whole, he always knew when it was happy arcs, you would hear this, yay, you know what I mean, of the whole crowd going nuts. And the bar only, I mean, it had a sign saying, we only serve uh, English food. Mm. Like that was some kind of bonus, some kind of boast. When they say, I mean, there are, there are, you know, there are some amazing English dishes, but they basically just meant, we serve fry ups, burgers and chips and fish and chips. And it was like probably the easiest, I think probably the easiest business model um, I think I've ever I've ever witnessed. But this was always bunged. And getting properly caught up in the idea of like, how, what else could you use in a Only Foods and Horses? His last order is a chandelier falls from the ceiling onto, <laughs> onto the floor or what else could you have? I'm not sure. But I, I'm getting yeah. fully invested. Give us the details. I mean, yeah. I mean there was, an, I, I mean, there was a photo um, of Boise who'd been in the bar, right? So there was a photo of Boise which um, was obviously pride of place behind the bar. I mean, I've even been, I've been in the bar where Oliver Reed died. It's in Malta, you know, and it's like not a great bar, but I mean, he died in a pub. It's probably what he would have wanted. People go to it because Oliver Reed died there, which is, a, you know, hell of a gimmick, I think. We can employ that here, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, I, I couldn't really get that. People who kind of who missed going on holiday. Like, well, okay, you just miss out going on holiday. That's fine. Would you rather go on holiday and kind of risk yourself and other people you know, I, I don't know if a tan is worth potentially killing your entire family. Hmm. Is that but, is that is that the main? Like, I'm I, I like to go on I, I like to go on holiday as much as the next man, but there would ten, it's usually like city breaks. I wouldn't go to a sunny destination unless there was like a reason to go there. Is the reason I'm beginning to sound like an alien? Is the reason these people do this simply because of the weather or? Uh, to me, it's never seemed, unless you have kids and as you say, it's an all-inclusive resort and there's loads of stuff for them to do. But as a grown adult, I don't see the appeal in going to somewhere like that if the draw is, oh, it's it's sunny most of the time because I'm not I'm not into that. Is that it? I don't I don't get it. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I can't speak. I can't generalize. I'm not going to do that. But um, I mean, I'd, I'd be the same as yourself. I like to go to either. Mainly, I would like, I like going, like all, all my favorite places have been pretty much cities or there have been places where the culture is completely different and you're having, you're, you're having a holiday from yourself and a holiday from the place you come from. I, I, you know, I, I, but the thing is, I also love that idea of going to a beach and reading lots of books, drinking really great wine, having great food and swimming in beautiful warm water, you know, um, that stuff really appeals. I, I just like it. I mean, I, I, I think you, you kind of, I, I think you can make of it what you will. Mm. You can't, you can't choose. There are a lot of paths to choose when I mean, you, you can go to somewhere, like a, that's sort of a, a resorty place, 
but get yourself out of it and go into the mountains and go and explore more and you know everything can be an adventure if you want it to be but um yeah i think we would just want i think the change of scenery thing but, but it's reflective man when you see like the house sales thing you know like uh like i'm on property pot all the time and it's like houses are selling like really really quickly you know they're, they're like selling within like two weeks because we have the stamp duty holiday at the minute but people are kind of because they're, they're they're having to get used to the four walls they live in they're either kind of decorating like mad and being cues is doing like mad business and parties like virtual riots at being cute or they're kind of just going right let's move somewhere else change the scenery and do that i think it's just just that i think that, that we have that need to go and take a break from ourselves for a couple of weeks you know Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there are certain holiday makers I don't particularly understand, and others that when I mean, you meet people who are like seasoned travelers and they go there because it's for them it is it's an experience for them. It's it's something to broaden because there's nothing broadens your mind like travel. You can read it, any amount of books you want, but if you don't go anywhere and you stay within your own bubble, you're not going to learn anything. You know, mm-hmm. there's nothing like that. Going and getting different cultures and and talking to people in in, in broken English. I mean, I've had a night out with a guy in Portugal who didn't speak a word of English and I didn't speak any Portuguese and we still had a night out. You know, a great crack to be fair. It was a way of communicating, you know, because we, I think as a species, want communication and we want that sort of humor. I think humor is very important for that. But um, yeah, that was a very long-winded answer. Sorry. <laughs> Edit that as you will. No, that's that's dead on. Well, as we were talking, we're obviously talking about travel and the fact that, you know, people are might be as you say, ban houses instead of going on holiday just for a change of scenery. Is there is there anywhere um, that you've visited on getaways that you would be dying to go to now, or you would be like, this is the first place I'm going to once 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 everything gets back to in brackets normal. Um, you know, some I mean that that's that can be sometimes quite fluid because the more you see places, you go right. That's that's now my new favorite place, or that's my new sort of favorite thing. I think I would. If I could go on a holiday tomorrow, like if if that's the question, where would you go tomorrow? If you get on a plane and go somewhere, I'll go to Seville for sure. Um, I've been in Seville twice. I, I really fell in love with it. Seville has an amazing vibe about it. I mean, it's much, much, much cheaper than than Barcelona or Madrid. Um, it's a really, really cool city. The people are really cool. And they have like a you know a ton of museums. And like when we filmed there, I walked down the street under this little kind of there's a place called the Hercules, which is this big long street with the length of Royal Avenue twice the width it's all bars and restaurants and a big area in the middle and it's you know not wide busy until about like nine or ten o'clock at night then it just gets rammed till about, it's, it's amazing atmosphere but on that you know the street behind it had like three record shops in one street and then around the corner from that were two brilliant secondhand bookshops and it has great museums it has one of the most beautiful cinemas i've ever been in in my life and seville is like 30 minutes on a train from the coast seville is the place i would go i would I would love, I mean, I would love to go to Marrakesh. My friends live in Marrakesh and I, I've been there a few times. And it's, again, it's, it's the most beautiful sensory assault when you walk out into the, into the markets of, of, of Marrakesh because just the sound, the colors, smells, everything just assaults you. Just, you just, and it, it can't completely freak you out, but you just kind of accept it and go along with it. It's the most wonderful place to go. I, I really would like, I mean, any of the major cities that I like, friends of mine have, have been to places like New York and said that it's just dead and there's lots of rats about and I'm terrified of rats, so that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen anytime soon. I have to admit, the one thing I'm craving in terms of pubs is I would love to be at a really great pub in Donegal with a great pint of Guinness and a packet of bacon fries. I don't eat bacon fries very often. I'm just, but at the minute, that's what I'm craving. I, I mean, I don't really eat them very often, but that, I would like to do that would be the pub experience I would love, to be honest. 
I didn't drink Guinness for the for the longest time during lockdown because it's like, oh, sure, it's not, it's not the same. It's not quite the same. Like, and then eventually I did crack and buy a couple of a couple of cans with the with the widget and all in it. Did the whole thing, mm. put it in the freezer for about 10, 15 minutes beforehand, poured it into a pint glass, let it settle. And then it was it was the most bittersweet thing because I took a big sip of it and I went, that's lovely. And then just as it was starting to fade from my, my immediate memory, there was just this big sense of, aye, but it's not the same though. It's not the same. Yeah. It's just, just there's that small ingredient just missing from the experience. I'm standing in the kitchen yeah. at night with my eyes closed, drinking a pint of Guinness and going, is this the same? No, yeah. it's not. It's nearly, it's nearly there. Um, but it might have just been the isolation. Friends and I went down, like we went down to Bangor quite a bit last year and we went to this little beach. That, uh, I don't know if I should tell you which, which bit it was, whatever, but um, we were getting kind of takeout pints and you know, the cops can kind of bust you for doing that on the beach, but this apparently this section, this little section, tiny little section of beach is Queensland. So basically it means the police have no jurisdiction there. You can drink there all you want and they can't do anything about it, which is great. You know what I mean? Like you're kind of, you know, a middle-aged man giving it the two fingers to the, to the cops. You know what I mean? And that, that kind of felt good. But I, I, I did think that, and I, I still do believe this, that a seaside sort of pint of Guinness is better than a city one because I think there's something in the in the salt in the air just adds to the flavor of a Guinness. You know what I mean? And I was on that little beach about to sip the first sip of, the, of a pint of Guinness and I got a text saying Joe Biden had one. And it was fucking glorious. Do you know what I mean? Because it's like, right, ding dong, the witch is dead. You know, Trump's out, Biden's in. And, you know, it remains to be seen if that's a good thing or not. I, I do. It's a vast improvement anyway. But um, those sorts of moments were really great. But I do think having a, having a Guinness on a beach is probably the best. I, I, just, I think it's the salt in the air improves it immeasurably. I don't think I've ever had a pint of Guinness by the beach. I've certainly I've certainly had a pint of Guinness. Um, funny you mentioned New York. Uh, we were in New York just before. It was January of 2020 we were there. And then obviously February, March, everything was completely fucked. But I was always, I was very aware even, you know, even in January and before Christmas and all, and I was walking around New York and I was like, I'm pretty sure the virus is here. Like I've probably walked past tons of people shared subways with people who, who've had it, you know, so, um, it was just trying to get, get my mind off that. But, um, I think I had a pint of Guinness there a few pints of guinness in and i, I know what you mentioned like theme pub and irish pubs we did go to one a couple of times because we were walking around new york constantly <laughs> all day and it was just one yeah. of these things where it's like we can go here because we know the first of all there's a certain there's a certain expectation certain rules when you go into a place like this where it will be quiet and there will be people trying to sort of respect the the fake atmosphere that they've, they've tried to create so we know it's going to be quiet there's probably not going to be that many people in there and at the end of a at the end of a long day walking around uh ny as it's called sometimes you just want I, 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 I think i heard a few people saying that when i was there it's very confusing um but I, I got it in the end it's just like i just want to paint a guinness and this whole thing about guinness oh you know it doesn't it doesn't travel well i don't believe that to be honest i that's not have, you're absolutely right that's not true i mean a guinness is only i mean that they're, they're there are pubs here that do bad pints of Guinness. I mean, as I say, I know people in hospitality say the shorter the line, the better the Guinness is. You know, the line from the, the keg to the top. I, I have had stunning pints of Guinness in New York. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I, I don't go to Irish bars simply because, and I, I don't know if you agree. I mean, do you like meeting people from Northern Ireland when you're away? No, but the weird thing is you can sense when they're about, you don't need to hear them or see them, but you just, there's, there is a vibe in the air where you go, there's someone from here, here, and I don't I know. I can spot them a mile. There's a walk. There's a Northern Ireland walk, right? 
that blokes do when they're away. And I mean, you know, sometimes the GAA top will give it away, but um, <laughs> or the rugby top will give it away, you know. But there's a walk, there's a Northern Irish walk. I can spot them a mile off, you know what I mean? I, I love going, if I'm in a city like, you know, New York or Chicago or Boston, or, and San Francisco is a great example of it, where I will look up the dive bars before I go, look up really great dive bars. And New York just has an immense amount. There's really great. I mean, there used to be a bar in New York called Mars Bar. It was now sadly gone. And it was the first bar I went to my first time in New York, which was about 1995, maybe. And uh, and it was a complete shithole. I mean, it was, you were, you, you know, you would, the way people sanitize their hands now, people would have fucking done it back then. This place was stinking. I mean, gross. The toilets, you were a brave man. Even when you have a pee in the toilets, you were a brave man, right? But it had a really killer jukebox. It did a great pint of Guinness, and it did just, you know, just the atmosphere was brilliant. It was a proper New York shithole, and that's the sort of places I like. And every time I go, I sort of look for, for ones near my hotel or whatever. And I've, you know, I've been to some absolute crackers, because the shitholes have the great stories. You know, there's a few that were kind of mafia-run. One has a tunnel under it that leads to, to the East River, where these dispose of bodies. And, and I love going to those places, like, because you meet Americans, you meet people, you meet New Yorkers, and they, you sit, and they're always... When they hear your accent, you're you're in like fat rap because you're from Northern Ireland. You know what I mean? And they 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 love the Irish. But um, I I would absolutely absolutely avoid an Irish bar wherever I go because it's just I mean one of the most heartbreaking things, Marcus. Right? I, I was um I was filming Los Angeles a couple of years ago, and we were doing it back to back for getaways, and it was Los Angeles then Vegas. We were away for quite a while, but in when we we're doing LA, we were staying in Santa Monica, right? And about two blocks away from the hotel we were staying at was a, a bar called Shea Jays. Now, Shea Jace was a regular haunt for Jim Morrison and was also the bar where Dennis Wilson had his last pint, he had his last drink before he, he, you know, he drowned. I thought, I want to go to Shea Jace, really famous place. And my friend lives in Santa, my friend called Francis lives in Santa Monica. And we went, and she's a big Doors fan as well. And we we're like, right, let's go to Shea Jace. Brilliant, you know. And it is a, it is a brilliant bar. It's one of the best on, on the West Coast of America. And we go in, and there are six blokes at the bar in our mad tops. <laughs> And I just went, oh, fuck. Not there's anything wrong, our mad people, I'm sorry. Nothing wrong with that, but I, I don't want to meet people from home. I've done that. You know, I've done that. I've met people from home here. When I go somewhere else, I want to meet people from there, you know, talk to them, have a bit of crack with them, you know what I mean? But yeah, that sort of thing, just, I, I get really just despondent as soon as I see that. Uh, I, I don't really like that thing. I don't, I don't, I don't even like that thing of, you know, people make friends with other couples. Ah, uh, yeah. Fuck is that about? Why? What you, know, you, need to, you need to really ask yourself, why do you not want to be with this person to the extent where you'll talk to other people who you're never going to see again? Yeah. Hopefully, I think, hopefully you're never going to see them again. Nave and I have had a, that experience a couple of times whenever, you know, whenever you get on a you get on a plane, you're going somewhere. It might be hard to remember, but you do that. And then there would be a couple that you might notice and you go, right, mm. okay, fair enough. They're sort of on your radar and that's it. And you go to the airport and they're and they're there and they're sort of sitting near you and you go right okay dead on no problem you get on the plane you go hmm we're sitting we're also sitting quite close to these people that's interesting okay you get out of the the plane you get out of the airport they're there again you go right okay that's that's dead on that's them so they're gonna head off now to wherever it is that they're going that's dead on happy days they're not even annoying it's just that you've registered them they're there and you're they're occupying a space in your brain and you go okay dead on and then you go and get you know a taxi or a, a shuttle or whatever it is to the hotel or wherever it is that you're going and they happen to be there so the 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 circles of 
of people there's ever decreasing to the point now right now i'm sitting in a car with these people i've basically been with them now for about six hours and we haven't spoken to each other and you go right well surely they'll get out of their hotel and they'll get out of ours and that's all right you're walking around let's say i think this happened once before in paris we're walking around one evening going what restaurant should we go to we'll go down this way alleyway and look through the window guess who's fucking sitting there these two cunts are there and it's just like this it starts to become the same way you would get annoyed at like the neighbors in your street or someone that you work with you go well we're not going to go there because dickheads went there the other night I'm just, and you know i'm sure i'm sure it's no good because they went there it's like i don't know anything about these people it's just they keep cropping up over and over and over again so the likelihood of us uh, making friends with a couple also it gives a bit it gives off a bit of a weird swingerish vibe as well whenever you see that you're going to kind of i've seen this in hotels where you have like four or five different couples hanging out together right and I, I don't really get that, right? Because these are kind of, they're going to become part of your holiday, right? So you might have maybe two or three evenings of dinner and drinks with these people. All it takes is like night three or night four and one of them says something offensive and you've just fucking wiped out the first half of your holiday because they're just, you were with those assholes. You know what I mean? Or, you know, it's like when I see people like that, I'm going like, you're all thinking about fucking somebody else in this group. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, of course you are, you know? And that that's kind of, I mean, like, to be honest, when you, when you do enough sort of, like, to be honest, man, I, I have I have staggering bad luck in terms of, and it's always during work when I'm, when I'm on my own, I'm kind of staying in a hotel on your own. And you can get a weird pattern staying in a hotel on your own if you're there for like a week. I always get a room near noisy couples, right? And that, that happened the last time I was in America, last time I was in New York, to the point where I thought they were shooting a porno next door to me, right? But it turned out they were, right? I mean, I was woken in the middle of the night the first night I was there, and I, I thought somebody was being attacked. I jumped out of bed and shoved my jeans. I thought it was a woman being attacked in the hallway, and I went, oh, no, it's not. And it went on for ages, right? And I thought, I forgot my earplugs, which I can't, which I had. So the next day, I thought, I'm going to get earplugs, make sure this couple don't kind of, you know, keep, if, if they're still staying in the hotel. But then you play the game, you see. Cause if you're down having breakfast the next morning, you want to go, wonder's it them? Wonder was it them? Mm-hmm. No, nah, they wouldn't be. No way. There's no way. You know, he's that guy's never going to bring a game. There's no way it was a damn, you know. But then the next night I got back and the hotel car had one of those like sensors that you know, the light doesn't go on until you get out. So I, the left door is open and the room next to mine was directly facing the left and the, the lights were still on. But shining under the door was obviously camera lights. And it was it was it was like the holy grail, just like emanating like from under the door. I went, they are shooting a porn movie. That's unbelievable. I have my earplugs in, but no matter if you if you you know, you're drowning out maybe 90% of that noise. You can't really drown out the thumping vibration against the wall of a, of a headboard. You know what I mean? I have bad luck in that respect. But I, I getting back to the kind of thing, I, I don't get that thing of meeting other people. Chatting them in a bar for an hour or two, dead on if they're local. But people who meet up with other people, it's always someone from their own country. Mm. Going to the same book club when you go home. You know, you know, travel probably 100 miles where they live to have dinner. I mean, fuck that. No. Because the thing is, when you do that, all you'll talk about is the holiday you were on. Because that's the only thing you have in common. Remember that time? Do you remember the waiter? Wasn't he lovely? You know, it's all that shit. Like, who? Nobody wants that. You know, nobody wants that. No, they're, they're the thing. The little things about traveling, and you know, when you when you do it a lot, little things become magnified because they have because you know it's it's repetitive. It happens to you six, seven, eight times a year, right? And so they become kind of repetitive, and it's 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 little things that really start to irritate. The big things really don't. I don't mind. I'm to go through security. None of that stuff bothers me. A lot of people get really horrible about it. I don't. I don't really, you know, it's a necessity. It's fine. It's it's like 
people who are, you get like selfish passengers who push the seat back on you. Mm. Like that is irritating. And then they kind of huff and puff when you go, look, I'm not, you know, I'm just not, I'm not being honest here. Just your head is right here. And that some planes, if you do like budget or night, the head is right here. I don't want it right in front of me. Do you know what I mean? I don't know you well enough. I may as well be sleeping beside you, you know? And what's weird, you're the people who really irritate me. And it may be a comfort thing for them. It doesn't affect me in the slightest, but it really irritates me. You know, people who bring their own pillow on the plane. It's not a moving house. It's not your moving house. It's not your flying house. You know, I, I, you know when you see that kind of footage of when, when air travel became more accessible to people, and you sort of see it in the 1950s, people used to dress up mm. to go on a flight, wearing suits and stuff, which sounds very stuff. I don't think, and they'll bring that back, dress for the plane. I think when you, when you dress well, you conduct yourself completely differently. You know, mm. I mean, Americans kind of do that. Americans more than anybody. You see people getting on a plane for like, a, you know, uh, an internal flight that lasts like three or four hours and they're in pajamas and their slippers with their pillow. And it's like, you know, do you work in air traffic control? Do you work in the stock market? You're not getting much sleep, you know, just stay awake for three or four. You don't, you don't need all these home comforts, you know, but they just kind of really like to indulge themselves. I mean, <laughs> I, I, that's the sort of thing I don't get. And it's, I think it's none of my business. It doesn't directly affect me, but it just fucking irritates me. And people who are kind of rude to our staff. I, I hate that as well. And what I don't, and what I hate most, and I regard this as, as the ultimate in utter stupidity, is people who clap when the plane lands, which I know is a kind of a, a cliche sort of, obviously, you know, I mean, it's, it's been done by so many comedians, but my, my logic of that is, you know, you don't clap a bus driver when he drops you, into, you know, in the center of town. You don't clap a taxi driver. And really, I'm not saying they're, they're not doing an amazing job, but, you know, the pilot and all of the air crew, they don't want to die either. They want to get there safely. You know, there's no other reward they need. They get paid and they, you know, they don't want to crash. You're rewarding with a round of applause. Pilots don't need that. You know what I mean? These are highly trained, highly accomplished people. They don't need your clapping. So don't do it. You know? Yeah. At that point, thinking about it that way, which I've never thought about before, at night, at night just seems really sarcastic. Clapping, in fact. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's just like, oh, well uh, the last, the last flight I had there, they didn't clap, so I'm going to crash the next plane. Is that basically yes. like how it works? <laughs> yeah. If you're not going to clap, we're going to take off and we're going to land again. Yeah. You know what I mean? I want clapping next time. They don't care. They don't, I mean, guys are even freaking here. They don't give a shit. Right. I do kind of selfishly also, I, I, I do kind of, and I'm probably on my own here. People tend to love, you know, the, the characters in the, in the air crew who get on the little telephone mic thing. And they all of a sudden think they're Jerry Seinfeld. They want a bit of crack with you. Mm. No, I'm not here for that. I just want to get them a destination safely. And I, I may sound like a total Grinch saying that, but it is, I've heard it so many times and all the jokes are kind of the same. And I, I don't like being expected to clap for somebody's birthday or hand party. I don't know them. I don't care. I forgot all about that. That, yeah. Yeah, that, happens, a lot. that happens a lot. And like, I've, I've, I've seen like a guy having a heart attack. I saw that once on a flight was on my honeymoon and a, a guy had a heart attack but as luck would have it there was a party of about 12 doctors on the plane mm. did everyone the clap doctor. whenever they all stood up and said ah, yes i'm a doctor did the pilot yeah, clap? did everyone clap? Leave, for like a leader to come out and go like clear and then everyone starts clapping when he sort of you know takes his breath but uh that that didn't happen they did take care of him however but yeah i've had that that was weird that's about i think that's probably about it that irritates me but about, about flying yeah that's about it everything else is boring. I think I do miss as much as everybody else um, because I just love traveling. Like I do, it's something that is a real, I do have the travel bug and now I've got very itchy feet to do it again. And also, it's my, you know, it's a job, isn't it? Uh, yeah. But yeah, there are certain things I just don't get. Well, it looks like, it looks like travel is 
definitely going to come back um, in some form or another before your other job comes back. But is there, are you looking forward to getting in front of all the, the sweaty, heaving masses once we're allowed to sweat and heave all over each other again? You talking about orgies? Yeah, I'm. I'm talking. You're, you're MC of uh, local orgies, isn't that right? You mean like DJing and stuff? Yeah. Um, I, like I said I was offered gigs last year and I didn't feel confident enough to do them. I just didn't want to. I didn't want to risk it. I do. I do miss DJing a lot. I'm doing. I'm doing something next week, which is kind of an online. I do miss it because you know during during lockdown, every time you hear tracks come out, you go, God, I love people. I'll be playing at my dance floor. I mean, but as my, I've been, I've been, I've been DJing just over 20, like last year was my 20th year of DJing. And I do, I mean, I miss, I miss going to clubs and actually dancing, but I, I do miss playing out. You know, I'm very fortunate in that I, you know, I get paid to do things that are really very enjoyable. It's only been in recent years. I used to, I used to book before I DJed, like mm. just with nerves, you know, you've three, 400 people maybe, and you, you know, they want a good night out. And that's your job to get them up dancing, you know. And that, I think that's where all the kind of DJ complaints come from. And that, that's fair enough. They're paying, and that's absolutely fair enough. You're there to kind of get them up and dancing and whatever. What I didn't miss was was DJing over Christmas because that is fucking hell. You I mean you have you have no idea, you know, you've absolutely no idea. You know, you do stand up. You, you maybe get in a stand-up routine, you'll got you'll get maybe one or two hecklers. DJing at Christmas is just like you will get like 20 hecklers coming up to you because this is their night out christmas dues are for people who never go out and they want to hear that song and they will ask you for some of the biggest piles of shit the weird the weirdest thing which has only been occurring to me recently is um mates of mine who are all djs we all kind of talk about it is that idea that there's certain punters who think that the car phone warehouse they just come up to a dj booth and they go mate could you charge my phone <laughs> why do you and seriously that happens everybody's had this you know, why do you think i have a charger for your phone they think they've just walked in the car phone where you have every charger we see that there are there are certain groups of people that when you're a dj that are instantly annoying and it all comes from a, a weird sense of entitlement they have i i get it partly in that we're there to entertain yes fine the people who sort of go can you play something for me we're leaving in five minutes and you're like right you want me to play just before you leave and go somewhere else and spend your money there yeah of course that's not insulting at all well people go can you play something you go, oh i played it earlier on they're like well, i must have been in the smoking area can you play it again right which is insane right it's like it's like somebody like you're doing stand-up they miss a joke they ask you to do the joke again because they didn't hear it right or the people who kind of my my least favorite because it's just utterly fucking tedious are the, the life story people who come up to you and they go listen i'm out with a group of my friends tonight right my sister's twins who were conjoined at birth have just recently been separated and he's just, you know, he was in the army. He's just home for the weekend. And they give you this massive, massive, massive story. And they, they tell you the history of everybody in the group like you give a shit. And then they go, can you play Beyonce? <laughs> and I'd rather I'd rather they cut to the chase because then it's quicker for me to say no. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? No, I'm not going to play it for you. But they give you a full story like that that should suddenly endear you to them and, and play something for them. And the thing is, it's not it's not being a grumpy DJ of not playing stuff for people. If I, if I can accommodate them, I absolutely will. But... There's always the, those people who, if you play one song for them, you're instantly their iPod. You're their Spotify playlist. You played one thing for them, so you're going to play loads of stuff they want, and they just take the piss with that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That's the absolute worst. But Christmas brings out a, a whole new breed of horror for everybody. And like I said, I've been DJing 20 years, and the worst group of people at Christmas are teachers. And I've done my research. I've asked bar staff. I've asked door staff, taxi drivers. They all agree it's teachers and here's my theory why right 
if you work in an office, you're around people eight hours a day. You get to know, you get to know their names, you get to know the names of their kids, what's happening with them in their lives. Teachers don't have that. Teachers go in, they have like maybe five minutes in the staff room, then they're away with kids all day. They have their 45-minute lunch or whatever they have with other people. They don't really talk to them. Then they go and they then sort of work with kids for the afternoon. So don't, they don't really have, they maybe have a connection with one or two people, but not in a way you would in an office. And when they go out, the teacher thing is still there. And they will, I mean, I, I have been spoken to like I was still at school. <laughs> you know, people who go, have you any idea? Like the greatest one is when they go, you any idea how much we've spent here tonight? You're like, I don't care. It's not going to me. Like, you know what I mean? I get paid a fee and that's it. You know how much we've spent here tonight? We were told it was going to be this. Like, no, you weren't. You weren't told that because the people who booked me knew what I'd do. You know what I mean? But they try to convince you that you've got to be something different. And they're always going to ask you. It's always going to be, I guess, again, I can spot them in If you get DJ radar, you get like a melter radar. And you can tell who's going to give you shit as soon as they walk in the room. I know instantly. As soon as they walk in the room, every doorman will say the same. They know it's going to be trouble. When you're in this game long enough, you kind of will crack. And I think the weirdest one was a woman who asked me to play something from the Greatest Showman soundtrack. Ah, oh, fuck off. I swear to God. And I went, I don't have that. And she went, and she, I mean, she looked, I mean, she gave me this look of withering incredulity. How do you not have, like, how do you not have this? And I said, I haven't even seen the film. And she well, and I went, because I don't particularly like Hugh Jackman. I don't particularly like musicals. I'm not going to watch it. I haven't seen it. I don't even know what you're talking about. You should have that. She went, you should have that. And I went, why? And she was, it was a really big film. I said there, well, Schindler's List was massive. I'm not going to fucking play that, am I? You know what I mean? Like, Schindler's List was a big film. I'm not going to play the main theme of it. But she, I mean, she looked at, it was honestly this withering incredulity and disappointment and, and, and very not deeply buried rage, you know, and we have to put up with this. And I think you've got to be nice to people because you don't want to be rude, especially to a woman. If you're a man, you don't want to be rude, but man, you tend to find, you know, I'm, I'm six foot four. If I tell them I'm not going to play it, they kind of take my word for it. And we'll, we'll be a bit more reasonable about it. But the real DJ dream, I think, which is also probably the dream of the stand up comedian is you want to follow people like that to their place of work on Monday. <laughs> do exactly the same to them in their place of work. You know what I mean? Just, I want to sit beside someone in their office and go, see that spreadsheet? That's shite. You know, or the kind of thing of, my mate does spreadsheets, can he have a go? Or, you know, nudge their elbow when they're typing, just do all that stuff that people do when you're DJing. I want to, I want to reciprocate that in the worst possible way and go to their place of work and ruin their day the way they've ruined my place of work. I think, I think you miss it, really. I think the first person who comes up to you and says, do you have um you know the latest the latest uh the the most recent mary poppins 2 soundtrack can you play a song off that your face you'll be angry but deep down and there'll be maybe a wee tear and a wee smile at the corner of your mouth as you tell them to fuck off because you've you've been missing it mm. that much i don't, I don't really I, mean, I don't really i know i do kind of on social media i do kind of I, I like recording these things on social media to let people know because i think it sends a message out of don't do this to a dj you know what i mean I, you know, I, I, I don't particularly like, I don't think like anybody coming near me when I'm doing it because it's more than likely going to ask me for something terrible and I don't want to offend people. And, you know, you don't want to just go, you're kidding me. Uh, you don't really want to do that. Um, cause like I say, you're there to give me a night out, whatever. But, um, I, I don't, I don't miss that aspect of it at all. I mean, I, I don't miss, you know, I had a venue owner once years and years ago when I was DJing with my friend Kenny and we DJ together a lot, you know, and we, we did very well at it, but, um, he asked us, could we play more? And his quote was, more stuff like Coldplay. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's just what people want. You know, some earnest posh guy, you know, depressing you into a corner. Absolutely. Yes. We're, we're going to knock all that out as well. You know what I mean? And when we play Adagio as well, just for the crack, you know, let's bring in some classical music, moody classical shit, you know, 
Um, but yeah, stuff like that. It's 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 a weird job. It's a weird job. You know, it's it's. I suppose I'm I'm I am making an analogy with stand up for yourself, obviously. But um, it's like someone coming up and asking you to do a Peter K joke. Yeah, there there you know? there there is the element to that, or. One of the the favorites is, um, but you don't get is more. I don't know if there's just less people coming to comedy gigs or people are getting a bit clever, but you would get off and someone would say, "Oh, I, you know that bit that you did about whatever, like the ice cream van or whatever," and you go, "Oh yeah, yeah," and you're anticipating them to say, "Oh, that was really good." They'll be like, "I know uh, there's a, a comedian who does a joke similar to that. Here it is, here verbatim," and you're just standing there for five minutes looking at them, going, "Right, okay, dead on. That's all right, no, no problem." Or one of my favorite things that will will probably never happen again. Uh, whenever we used to do voice box in um, safe house and in loft and stuff, there would be people who would come up to it. And then after the show or during the break, they would be like, here, mate, I used to see this like on Facebook loads and loads of times and people sharing the event and stuff like that. And I never went to it because I thought it would be shit. But here, this is actually really good crack. And you're just like, uh, thanks, I think. I'm not yeah, I think. sure how to take that, but thanks now that you're here yeah. but then you don't see them again for another three years and it's just like right okay this happens every month yeah. so you know f- free to come whenever yeah that is a thing you know i thought but, but I, I i totally agree the logic of that of i thought it was going to be shit hmm. why are you here there were a myriad of other places you could have went but you came and you enjoyed it and my god aren't we grateful see yeah. you in three years time yeah you know give me one second i've got to tell you something actually about dj and doing your own clubs which is amazing right all right, Joe has left the room, his physical room, not the Zoom room. I'm here in the Zoom room, but I'm having a wee look around Joe's uh, background. We can see uh, quite a lot of uh, music and um, film paraphernalia. And there's a world map tucked behind a big canvas of something. Um, mm. Nice wee boombox there. Oh, hello, Andy's back. It sounds like you're, you've got good observation. Yeah, I kind of collect boomboxes. I've, I've... I, I've sort of scaled them down recently, but yeah, I do collect those. No, the, the great thing is when you put on an event, you know this, you put on events yourself, right? And when, when I used to do a club called Palookaville, which was, used to sell out really, really quickly, you know, and, you know, because it wasn't, you know, this this wasn't the most kind of inspired idea, you know, bring your own booze. Of course, it's going to be popular, you know, it's a cheap night out. But if something like something New Year's Eve would always sell out in like 20 minutes, 25 minutes, or Halloween, because we had these big, elaborate Halloween parties. So everything would sell out. And then you would get an email or a message on Facebook from somebody who you haven't heard from in like a year, right? And you don't really know them very well. And they're like, hey, mate, how's it going? And you're like, right, so we're going to go through the dance here for about three or four minutes of exchanging pleasantries. And I'm going to go, any chance of guest list, mm. right? And this this kind of happens. I mean, it happened, like, I mean, I could nearly set my, my watch back. You know what I mean? It was ridiculous. And it was like, I remember somebody being incredibly unreasonable and they said um have you any guest list for for the, for new year's eve and i said no i don't at all i said i don't have any you know for anyone just basically two guests of each dj and that's it and they were like right well if any guest list comes free can i get in plus seven fuck off on a guest list like for free but that that happened with with you know annual regularity but it was like yeah i'm gonna let eight of you in for nothing in an you know, I could get rid of those tickets and people who will gladly pay for them in about 10 seconds. You know what I mean? But yeah. do you find that people will do that? I'm sure you've had it as well, putting events on, haven't you? Well, I, well, the, the, the tickets to the events that I put on weren't as, as quite like gold dust as Palookaville like, but, um, there was, 
there, there was whenever I was doing an accidental theater, we would do it up in um, the book bar and that's quite a small space. So we're talking maybe 30 people and that's it. And then there's the acts yeah, who yeah, all have to yeah. stand in the hall. So they're not even seeing each other. Um, and then there's like one or two members of staff, very, very small room, nice and cozy. Like there's a big theater downstairs, but I prefer doing the, the smaller one because you're right in people's faces in and you can see and you can, in some cases, reach out and touch the audience members with their permission, of course. But yeah. the amount of times I put on Facebook, if you want to come to this, please buy a ticket. Because what's going to happen if you don't buy a ticket and we sell out and you turn up at the door, you're going to have to look at my face as I tell you, no, you can't come in. And that's not something I want to do. And it's not a lasting memory you want to have of me rejecting you. What a ridiculous scenario. Please buy tickets in advance online. And we're talking like a fiver for loads and loads of months. People, randomers who uh, I did know on the odd occasion, people that did know. And even then I had to say to them, it's a legal problem, legal requirement. We can't actually let you in. And on some occasions it was the same people about two or three months in a row. And it's just like, where have you been? Like, I, I don't know you, but I know your face. And it's like, oh, well, we were in Lavery's. And it's like, well, you may go back there until the interval and maybe someone will leave and you might have to come back. It's just that it's just the express. Oh, well, sure. This is this is just a wee shitty comedy night. Sure. We'll just we'll just rock up. And it's like, yeah, it's not the Odyssey, but, you know, there is a reason why we put tickets out and say, if you are coming, yeah. please buy a ticket. I mean, that's not going to wash at a regular, you know, like a, like a big gig. It's not going to wash if you there's so that you just think you can turn up the door. I mean, do you, uh, I, I, mean, I, I went to Wonder Frog quite a bit. Like, I really liked me and my niece are big fans of it. I mean, do you miss something like that? Because, you know, you and Fraser and Teresa and everybody seemed to, you seemed to have a really good time doing it. And all, I, I think that was the big thing for me when, when everything ended. Like, the amount of people I knew who were performers, the thing that they'd honed their craft at and they loved doing, all of a sudden was gone. And you were told to retrain, you know. I mean, do you miss the performing thing? I miss being in in the room and just that sort of sense of you know, there's you know, there's there's something in the air where it's just like whenever I perform, I always like to I like to have a general idea of what I'm doing. Obviously, in improv, I have no idea what I'm doing, which you know is that much more invigorating, and you're dependent on other people. And you just don't know what's going to happen. With the likes of stand up, I like to have a general idea of what I'm doing, but quite a lot of it is also based around this. I might do this or I might do that depending on basically what the audience are like, um, how many of them are there, how they respond to this bit or just the general vibe of them. So that aspect of it is just like, I have a vague idea of what I'm going to do. I don't really know what I'm going to do. Um, and it will all depend while I'm there. Um, so I miss that aspect of it. And I'm sure that's the, the same case with DJing as well. Obviously, there's certain styles of music that you would put on and stuff like that. But you're also you know, assessing and scanning the room to go, well, they won't like this, yeah. but they will really go for this. It's similar sort of thing to stand up, I imagine. And there's mm. that it's the, just to bring it back, the instant feedback of the uh, of the crowd yeah. to sort of validate or negate what you're doing and making you reassess. Like there's plenty of like comedians that I would know who will have a routine and it is a routine to the letter who will re- not read off a page, but it's word for word. And it's just like, how do you how do you adapt? Like just because if you do a gig like that where it's da 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 and you're reading it off the page and it goes down well, to me it's like, did the gig go well because you, you, you're you mm. reciting it? Or to me a gig goes well because there is that connection, there's that sort of energy back and forth between you and the, and the audience. You were going to read that no yeah. matter what, or sorry, perform that no matter what, whether it went well or not. Mm. And there's people I've known have been doing this for years and years. Some of them are doing 
all right, some of them are doing not so well. But to me, that's just insanity where you can't um, respond and adapt to the room and, and what's happening, you know? And a lot of that is seems to be the case where you're if you're doing stand-up online now because of all this, which doesn't really gel with me because it is very much that you're you're reading yeah. you're reading your routine into the camera as if you're appearing you know in court by video link there's just that that's the same <laughs> energy of it. it's just like yeah. there's no there might be the odd person or two in, in the in the zoom meeting or whatever it is that you're doing who is laughing but you know mm. they sort of keep the energy going but it's not it's not quite the same like it would even take just like a, a crowd of dead-eyed people who didn't find anything of mine funny because that will that will force me to be oh i need to think of my feet i need to yeah. do this i need to do that even if it's going badly um, bad gigs don't really uh, they don't really phase me because to me and my maybe it's just my way of trying to legitimize it by going well i suppose well, that's I, yeah, yeah. but that's why it's never really happened you know we, we, any any kind of comedy shows i've seen they don't really work because you again as an audience member you kind of feed off the people next to you mm. you know you feed off with, with their vibe and either you react to them not finding something funny that you do or somebody laughing at something or how they engage with the comedian which you know it's performance and that that that, that kind of feeds it the only, do the only thing i kind of to sort of talk about the one the thing that really irritates me about comedians is when they're being interviewed on television and they want the interviewer to let them lead into a written bit that they mm. do from their show you know there'll be sitting with graham norton and he'll go you know so i hear you just got yourself a dog what's happening with that yes i got a dog dogs are fine and they launch into this bit they've written about dogs and you know mm. it's from the show that they're on their shilling anyway um, that sort of thing. You've just written this, and that's it. You're just going to. Perform. And that, there's a place for that. I get that. There's an absolute place for that, and there's nothing wrong with it. But it just when it's you're sort of going, you're just giving me the trailer now, aren't you? You know. Mm. And I, I think, what do you make of audiences in Northern Ireland? I think gig audiences. We don't. We have terrible gig etiquette. What are what are you know? What, I mean, I, I've seen you do stand up. I've seen Wonder Frog and stuff, and people are generally really cool and really dead on. But I mean, what do you think generally audiences are like? Well, there is a this thing that I've noticed since all the years I've been doing it is similar to what I mentioned before, where people will say, "Oh, I thought this was shit, but it's actually all right," and then you don't see them again. What you what you don't see in in comedy, I guess. Well, maybe for certain comedians, you do or certain certain types of comedy where you will get people who will turn up the odd time and say to your face, "Oh, yeah, that was really good," and you go, "That's that's fantastic." Do you mind letting other people know that you you like me and maybe yeah. like something on social media or share or or post about it? Like on the on the, the the few and far between occasions where you actually do catch wind of someone saying something positive about you, it's like winning the fucking yeah. lottery. You just go, oh holy shit, this person actually likes me. And then because it's yeah. so it's so far you know far between and infrequent, my instant reaction is to go, is this person a fucking weird stalker? Because they're going on about me and and sharing the thing that I liked, are they? Is there something wrong with them? Like that's that's the abnormal response I've had to it. But as for like in the room, yeah. audiences when you're actually there, I found like most like it's the older generation that really don't know how to respond at a, at a comedy gig. Either it's absolutely nothing; they won't give anything. Mm -hmm. They'll stare at the floor, even when you're not talking directly at them. They'll just stare at the floor. They'll get they'll get out like a wee book and write in a book or something like that or do something very obtuse or you'll get them responding to everything you say and joining in and not in a heckly way but in a sort of aren't i helpful kind of way where yeah. you just have to go mate with all due respect could you just fuck up 
and yeah. we'll we'll get on with it. I'm I'm you're in the audience for this whole show. I'm only up here for ten minutes, so yeah. Um, let me let me do my bit, and then you can continue to sit there. What you find is obviously it's a bit rude, and it's maybe, but it's I don't think it's intentional disrespect. It's just that. I feel like I've been saying this for a long time. It's just like comedy is a new thing in Northern Ireland. Like stand up is a new thing. Still, it's still mm. in its infancy <clears throat> to an extent. But it's like you see, you see comedy on TV, and you don't see anyone getting on the way you're getting on. So there's there's a way mm. to act. What what do you pay in for? You know what I mean? Like all that's going to yeah. happen is that your your day is going to be ruined more than mine. Whenever I have to tell you to be quiet, because it doesn't bother yeah. me to tell you to be quiet because you're supposed to be quiet. But whenever you start yeah. carrying on a contract, yeah. effectively, when you buy a ticket, I believe you're signing a contract, mm -hmm. artistic contract. Because think people in cinemas who check their phones, not really bright light mm. in that magical darkness. Because to me, you know, the, the cinema is, is that beautiful silver dream machine. It's a beautiful silver screen. And it's, I love that. I love the whole experience of it. And that throws me out of the loop when people light up their phones, whatever. And then gigs, because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm tall. I, when I go to gigs, I try and be dead on and not stand in front of people who can't see, you know, because I'm there. So I tend to stand near the back. I can still see. I can still get good sound, whatever. And that's where people kind of talk, and you're going, mate, I didn't, I didn't pay in to hear you talk about what you got in Lidl last week. I don't give a shit. Do you know what I mean? You know, I don't care what's happening with your kids at school. I don't fucking know you. I'm here to hear the band. You know what I mean? And they don't really get that. People don't tend to get that. Mm. You know, and like. People who shout out for songs in between, like you know, I've seen it done twice. I went to see Springsteen. I went to see Nick Cave, and both into the same thing. Said the same thing. I'm not a fucking jukebox. Back when people knew what jukeboxes were, this was in the '90s. But yeah, people who tell it. But I think when you when you go to a gig, it's particularly a comedy gig, you're signing a contract of this is this person's livelihood, and they're there to do it. No one's there. I, I didn't pay him to hear the guy at the next table to me who will shout out something that is invariably unfunny or rude. Mm. You know what I mean? I didn't pay for that. I paid to hear the material that, that this is your craft. This is what you do. I mean, it's not 10 minutes work. This is something you've worked on as mm. a craft for years. You know, I, I, I kind of respect that, you know? Yeah. It's um one of those things. <clears throat> if the if you, same, same as you said earlier, it's like you can see them straight away. As soon as they come in the door, you're like, right, this fucker's going to be someone I need to maybe talk to. Um, mm. But at the last while doing stand up, I say the last while over a year ago now, I always prefer to host DMC because you can have those interactions with a crowd that doesn't fuck up someone who has spent ages doing and and crafting yeah. the thing they're going to say for me i could you know pull this bit out i could do this bit if i really need to but most of the time i am talking to the crowd and trying to engage them in, in what's happening i always prefer to be sort of like a cheerleader for others which was the case with voice box it's like voice box was always like let's have interesting people who i think will be good for this and i'll sort of try and keep it all moving but it's not really, it's not about me. It's about these people here and these people are here for reasons. So let's listen to them. Yeah. So I always prefer the host and the MC aspect of that because you can break cover and just be like, sir, could you just sit down and put your top back on or, you know, whatever it is that you need to do that and act in the middle of them doing it mightn't be equipped to do it or it mightn't suit them to do that. There's so many acts that you see they've got two minutes into their routine and the, the, the remaining 10 minutes is them having a weird conversation with someone who just won't shut up. And it's like, that's not why yeah. they're here. They didn't get to do what yeah. they were here to do. So I prefer doing that. I prefer, I prefer, um, that's a very hard job. You're, you're warming the crowd up. You're getting them comfortable. You're, you're setting the stall out for their night's entertainment. I think that's very difficult. I mean, it's, it's why you have like warm up DJs and stuff to make analogy for DJ. They they kind of set the stall out for you. You know what I mean? Or you're setting the stall out for somebody else. But it's a very difficult job to do because effectively 
people are there to kind of see the comedians. Your job is to kind of get them into the vibe of the place. That's very difficult. That's a that's a proper skill that you know what I mean. That's you know that's that's incredible, and you are very good at it. Mm, thank you very much. Also, uh, a very good stand-up. I, 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 and as I say, I'm a big fan of Wonderful. I thought I think it's great. And Wonderful has a really great vibe about it. Yeah, we. Um, oh yeah, it's. I was going to say it's been so long. It's been as long as it has for everyone else. I keep forgetting. But no, Wonderful was good and is good because obviously, if you're in an, an improv group, you all need to know each other's strengths and weaknesses and play their strengths and maybe sometimes play the weaknesses if the crowd are properly along for the ride and everyone is settled in it's always fun for me to go hmm, what i might do here is just fuck up fraser a wee bit so we try and lead him into making a mistake or he would do the same to me or or pimp each other into doing something that we know that either of us is a little bit uncomfortable at or can't do like for example um certain members of wonder frog would often try and uh, pimp my character into for some reason singing or rapping or dancing or doing something basically that I have telegraphed I've that I'm this. not good at. Um, yes, I've seen this. You don't know. be so hard on yourself. You know what I mean? <laughs> you could have been you could have been Eminem or Vanilla Ice. I don't know. You know, you don't one, know that. One of those lads. I could have been one of those. But it's just it's stuff like what that. Once bad. once once the audience is is fully in and they they get what it is, then it is fun to see us actually playing with each other as well as like playing the games and, and you know, trying to entertain. But that aspect too is entertaining or trying to make each other properly corpse and just drop the the already flimsy curtain of Wonder Frog. Uh so and, and people start to feel involved and they go, Oh, we <laughs> oh, saw that we mistake that you did there or, or that you laughed. Now we have a connection. We get what you're doing and we're all part of this yeah. big joke. But saying that there's nothing worse than, than doing an improv show with a completely disinterested crowd. That is that's hard. That is proper proper um tough biscuits that. I don't know if you remember this there were three girls who came, I think they were from somewhere in America. And they just kind of walked in. They sort of saw the, the, the sandwich board outside and walked in. And they had, a, they had an absolute ball because they didn't, they didn't think things like that existed here. I remember that night. There were, there were three. They were just tourists in the city. Something yeah. like that's pretty cool. I think, yeah, that's nice. It, it's it, one of those things that's, that's nice about the black box where, well, more often than not, someone would see the sandwich board outside, walk in, and then take, you can see them lean around the corner through the doorway to see what's happening on stage and then just disappear and you're like right okay <laughs> no worries that's all right or even worse where they get to the door and uh jim mcgill our doorman would very enthusiastically one of the best doormen in belfast enthusiastically explain what the show's about try and help them out and uh, go yes and that's it and it's five pounds and you get to have all this fun and they go actually you know um we have restaurant reservations now and it's like well clearly if you did you wouldn't have walked in here so that's all right yeah. no worries um but yeah i, I do discover anything about yourself in lockdown that you didn't know before i guess that i've, I've adopted to re the routine of lockdown quite well where it's just like i don't actually mind doing the same thing every day and in a, in a, in a way i sort of tried to in my head go treat it a bit like a prison and just sort of go right well when i get up i'm gonna have this breakfast which is the same breakfast i've had now for about three or four weeks then i might mix the cereal up might have a different cereal but this this is a big box of cereal so my mission is to have the, a bowl of this every day measure it out make yeah. sure it's the right amount of grams and getting the right amount of servings just sort of do yeah. that and then for lunch same sort of lunch that i have every day might put a different bit of seasoning on it different bit of sauce that's it just keep to the same thing because I feel if you're constantly trying to find distraction and uh, interaction by going, well, I could I could have this for dinner and that would be exciting. Well, what if what if it's shit or you, you yeah. feel 
or it was so good you go oh i want to have that every night but i can't but i'm not doing anything else right now you know just sort of get enough things to please yourself enough yeah yeah and that's it that's just kind of routine what about you speaking of cereal i, I want i want them to bring out a particularly a special k because it's a special kind of powder i want a whole box of cereal that's not actually the cereal but the powder of the cereal okay right or half and half, right? Where it's only half cereal and half the powder from the cereal. I like the powder. I really do like the powder. And also, uh, something I never thought I would see is I've seen the back of my own eyeballs. How'd you do that? Well, I went to get my eyes tested, right? Because I, I'm, I'm learning to drive this year, mm. right? So I thought, I, I knew I kind of, I, I could sort of see that by my, you know, from reading, I was getting tired sort of quicker. I wasn't able, I wasn't able to read for any the same duration I, I was previously. So I got my eyes tested. And yes, I have reading glasses. You want to see my reading glasses? You sure. See these? Yeah, you see this. Sorry, audience, you can't, but this is just for Marcus, look. Oh, very nice. Have they got the blue tint on it so you can look at screens for longer? No. No, they're very oh. cheap. They're sort of cheap little glasses until I until I have to... I, I'm going to have to get glasses for when I drive, but um, my optician did like a scan, right? And they, they can show you the back of your eyeballs, which is quite something, right? I would recommend it. What she showed me was, I didn't know this. You can detect cholesterol from your eyeballs. Mm. Did you know that? Um, it wouldn't have occurred to me, but I guess it makes sense. Yeah. Well, there's a wee bit behind my eyeballs, right? Nothing, nothing I need to worry about, right? Because she said, and these are certain, there's certain benchmarks in your life, right? We, we're, that age kind of dictates. There's a certain point in your life when kids start calling you mister, mm. right? That's when you know it started. And she used the phrase, well, it's quite normal for a man of your age. Oh, dear. The phrase, for a man of your age. Mm. I mean, Jesus, that is some hard shit to take, right? And I went, oh, right, okay. Should be something I should worry about. And she goes, no, but, you know, she's nice. she said, no, but at your age, you should be keeping an eye on your cholesterol anyway. So I was just like, all right, double whammy. Okay, you're here <laughs> to help. But you're, you know, for a man of your age and at your age, I'm like, all right, then. I felt like I wanted to insult her, but she's really nice, so I didn't. But yeah, I saw the back of my eyeballs and a wee bit of cholesterol, and that was kind of a bit of a revelation. Like mm -hmm. that was a revelation. And yeah, I'm I'm sort of aiming to drive this year. Mm -hmm. and I'm I'm reaching my fiftieth journey around the sun this year, and I, nice. I still can't drive, which I'm sure quite pathetic. I'm doing it this year, so I've had to get my eyes tested, and I think my hearing's going as well. I think twenty years of DJing and thirty odd years of going to gigs. It's starting to affect my hearing slightly. You know, I think I'm, I'm getting mild tinnitus. Oh, it's ten, uh, tinnitus. I was thinking, I, I was a bit worried that my hearing was going because it's just me and Eve in the house. But every every so hmm. often she would say, will you answer me? And I go, what? I had a full, fully formed question I asked you there and you didn't say anything. I go, I genuinely didn't hear it. But I was thinking that might just be isolation kicking in where you would mostly just you know, communicate through grunts and looks at this point because it's just the two is in the house. So I thought, yeah. well, it, it, it might it, it, it might just be that. It might just be that I'm not paying attention rather than my hearing is going. Because I can hear when I want to. Well, that's not a good sign, actually. Yeah. I, was, I was using that as a defense, but that's like not good at all. Hmm? You're like a terrier. You're like a terrier yeah. dog. Terriers are like that. I have a terrier. We have a terrier. Terriers, are, they have selective hearing. They just listen to you when they want to and they'll ignore you when they want to. But I mean, marriage is basically just two people shouting what at each other from different rooms until one of them dies. That's pretty much it. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's pretty much what it is, you know. But I I, I also, I mean, I, I was working the first month of lockdown last year and um, 
like walking the length of Royal Avenue and there was nothing, you know, was the weirdest thing ever. Like not a center about, no traffic, no planes going overhead. It was just nothing. It was like, I am legend or Omega man, you know, there was nothing. And then every now and again, you would hear this <clears throat> sort of weird <gasps> from up an alleyway where there's like some, you know, some person who, who, who's on the street, he's just like doing whatever. The quiet kind of got to me after a little while. I've lived in the city my whole life. The quiet really started to encroach on me, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I went through periods where I couldn't read for a while because my concentration span was gone. I went through periods where I didn't want to listen to music because it was annoying me. Yeah. You know, um, certain things were kind of annoying me. You know, weird things that I loved were starting to annoy me. Well, there was that thing that Spotify came out with at the end of, was it the end of this year where it was just basically like, oh, here's your most listened to tracks of 2020. And it was just a weird insight to, you know, what have you been drilling into your brain during lockdown? Because you can't really do anything else. And there were some weird tracks that were coming up and going, I didn't realize I listened to that that much. There was quite a lot of like, um, and it was all very themed. Like there was like, uh, I want to break free by queen was right up there for me. And I was like, I didn't think I really listened to that. Like it's like a subconscious, like I do really like the song, but it was like, there was a few of them in there that were kind of like, these are all songs to do with like being trapped or wanting to get out. Or, um, uh, there was another queen one that was sort of, that was very much like, Oh, this, if, if this, lockdown was a film this would be on the soundtrack like that made sense without me intentionally doing it i was like it must be some sort of subconscious thing feeding into my, yeah. into my brain from spotify where it's like all right okay well i didn't realize that also I had a bit of a look and go maybe i should listen to slightly more happier music as well for 2021 you know i mean do you i mean i, I find you, you, you like i said i've been kind of very much up and down but i can bring myself out of a bad mood by putting on something i really enjoy or reading something i really enjoy you kind mm-hmm. of it, it was a year of I mean, for me, last year was the whole, a whole year of, oh, what the fuck now? You know, mm. what the fuck now is going to happen? Do you know what I mean? But, I was, you know, I sort of was going, right, okay, I'm going to put on this record. I'll put on a bit of Beach Boys. That'll cheer me up, you know, or, or just put on some really great, wonderful, happy hip-hop record like Paul's Boutique and go, okay, and taking massive walks and kind of walking, like forcing yourself into a good mood. Mm. Yeah, it's quite alien. Forcing yourself into a good mood is quite. Alien. I, I don't. I don't mind being down. I don't mind when I'm upset about something. You just go right. Just let it happen. Get it out of you, and move on. You know. But I find myself. Forced. I don't want to be like this. I don't want to be this kind of malcontented about something. I'll try and force my way out of it. That was a weird sensation. You know. Yeah, and it, it, it's an odd thing trying to do that because you would, you know, go for a walk or or do this or. Or say maybe I'll watch this or that, and it is very much consciously searching for, right? Will this make me happy now? Let me let me mm-hmm. actually do this and measure how I feel as I go along, and then if it's not working, I go right. That's not something that makes me happy. Whereas before, you just yeah. stumble across these things. You go, oh, maybe I would like to do this. Whereas now it's like, what will give me the 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 wee buzz that I want? Like earlier on today, I went I went for for my my daily walk, which is the same walk that I do every day, and it bores the hell out of me but again it's to do with routine it's like well i do this this is what i do now and that's it today for some reason i got a real buzz off it and i was going what did i eat last night surely this walk can't be responsible for this because it has never done this before properly buzzing off the walk today for some reason and i'm just sitting trying to pick through it and go well what, what was all that about and then i got a bit worried and going now i'm starting to analyze it too much and i was fearful of yeah. breaking the routine i don't want to look at the routine too much it's doing me all right if it gives me yeah. the occasional lift, I'll take it, but I won't look into it. It's just, 
it's like working with electricity when you're not an electrician like me. It's like I don't understand yeah. how it works. It's weird magic, and I'm I'm happy with it. I won't poke at it anymore. Like I said, there's there's certain aspects of what we regard as normal. I'm not prepared to go back to. I mean, there there are very big things that I've kind of decided. You know what I mean? Like very big things, and and one of them is like I, I've realized recently, like my my small talk was always shit. I was never good at it. I'm not a I'm not a natural networker, and like you know the industry I work in, you kind of kind of network to some extent, and I just can't be arsed with it. You know, and what what is kind of solidified in this is I, I've I've sort of made this decision like I am not going to engage with people who I kind of know don't give a shit whether they talk to me or not, or don't particularly like me, whatever, or are not that fast to spend time around me. And sometimes, but I'm not doing that anymore. What's mm -hmm. the point? You know, we, we've realized that that life is precious, and we you know, and that so many things we take for granted were suddenly taken away from us that really had value and meaning. And I'm just going. I'm not indulging in that anymore. I'm not doing it if I you know. If the, if the person I know doesn't want to be around me, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that small talk thing, and vice versa. If I don't particularly like somebody, I'm not. Not that I'm going to be rude, but I'm not going to talk to them just out of some kind of really skewed sense of of convention. You know, I just think because you, you never feel good walking away from a conversation like that, do you? You know, you don't no. feel good about it. It's just I'm going to start. I'm doing that. That's done. You know. Yeah, it's just kind of like when you walk away from something like that because it's, as you say, it's it's just part of convention. You walk away going, "Have I shortchanged that person? Should I have got into that more, or did they just not give a fuck?" And I shouldn't, you know what I mean? It's either, "Oh, did I did I not give enough to them, or did they just not give a shit and I shouldn't worry about it?" But I would say that most people's small talk will be completely in the toilet once we're all mingling again. Yeah. So we'll all finally be on a level playing field where we can yeah. just. Come in with like either nothing at all or the re really big, deep questions as soon as you walk up to yeah. someone. I mean, believe in that, but I, 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 the thing is, I've had some really, you know, because you're being more. I mean, I, I hate that phrase mindfulness. I think it's, I think it's bullshit. I think there should be a better word for it. I think it just should be just common care for your fellow man. But I've been having, I've been having kind of really unexpected conversations with people. On a very sort of deep level of finding out how they are and finding out things about them that I never would have had previously because there were people I just kind of knew maybe from bumping them in pubs or whatever and it's, it's been hugely satisfying because you get to know them a lot better and, and how they're doing and you know I, I know people who are struggling with this and I've struggled quite a few times during this myself and I know other people have and family members have and, and you're just like let's not go back to forgetting that let's not go back to forgetting how this experience of being away from other human beings really affected us on a really bad level we should go back and be nicer and, and use the time more wisely. But as we were saying at the start of this, to bring it around, I suppose, in a circle, we probably fucking won't. Mm. We'll probably completely fucking forget everything we've thought about and learned and just go back to being the usual self-centered, horrible, grasping, enormously ambitious bastards we were before then. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that, you know, or whatever, you know, the greed, the greed heads will still be greedy, you know, <clears throat> the rest of us will still be shafted by them. So, you know, as sure as day turns to night, that's always going to be the way. Yeah, I think I the best thing to do is just to put it out there because if you put it out there, the people who also put it out there will get it and yeah. we'll be able to vibe off each other that way. Whereas yeah, I hope the so. bastards, you can just forget about them. They won't get it. They won't understand yeah. what it's all about. So that'll be that, hopefully. What are you most looking forward to at the end of this? Um... I have a I have a wee day planned in my head, which is similar to a, f a few of my friends, where it'll be go to go to the black box on Saturday afternoon. This the, give me the shittiest green room black box afternoon Saturday afternoon comedy show, whether I'm on it or not. We'll go to that. Then we'll go to um, Bunsen, 
get a big burger and mm. then go boozing in the sunflower. Home in bed by 10 o'clock. That, that'll that do me. Like, yeah. Just something like That's that. That's a great Saturday. What about that you? That was a great Saturday. I was getting ready to swim in before lockdown. Not not that wanky wild swimming stuff. It was just basically posh people dunking themselves in the water uh, and then coming out again. I was going to like swimming pools and stuff. I'm looking forward to being able to the, really have a brilliant swim in a swimming pool. I'm I'm not missing bars that much, to be honest. I'm really not because I'm not sort of drinking that much this weather. I'm looking forward to going to the cinema, but I want to go. See, I want to. I want to. I'd love to go and see something I know is going to be good. Because if your first visit back to the cinema, like I, t- I took my niece to see The Empire Strikes Back last summer when it opened a bit, and it was like thirty people in a cinema, and it was great because it was The Empire Strikes Back, new print and all that. But yeah, going to the movies would be great. You know, having a beer on a beach again, or having a glass of wine on a beer on a beach would be amazing. But I think what I miss, what I really want to go back to is, is hugging my mates, hugging my loved ones. You know, to be able to do that would be great. You know, that that's mm-hmm. I think is what I'm looking forward to most. I hope they just want to hug me back as well. <laughs> yeah. I would be a hugger as well, and I'll send I'll send you a virtual hug for now. Yeah, let's give it let's give it that. Come uh-huh. on, man! I can't wait to give you a hug. You see, with our height difference, you, you, I, you know, I remember hugs. You tuck into my chest quite well. Oh, it's lovely. It's very, it's very yeah. uh, calming and um, uh, satisfying. It's lovely, it's lovely stuff. That's what I'm here for. Calm and satisfaction. That's what I'm here for. Well, hopefully, I'll, <laughs> I'll get that soon. Joe, thanks very much. Hopefully, we will get that hug soon. Thank you. It's been lovely chatting to you, and I can't wait to get that hug. And I will join you in the green room for a pint. You don't mind. mind. Oh yes, of course. All, all, all welcome. Well, not everyone, but we know who isn't welcome. Everyone. So that's that's all right. <laughs> Fuck those people. Three, all right. Play it nice and cool, son. Nice and cool. You know what I mean. <laughs>